Hey everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. And uh, we, of course, remain in the middle of the offseason. It's it's really truly the dead period of the dead period. Most of the time we refer to that as that uh, summertime period uh, between the mini camps and when training camp actually opens. You get that five-week period or so where you just hope and pray guys don't do anything stupid. Uh, but this is really the the other dead period between the Super Bowl and and the NFL Combine, which will be coming up at the end of the month, and and actually is is going to be in prime time. If you would have told me 15 years ago that the NFL Combine would be in prime time, I would have laughed at you, ridiculed you, and 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 just walked away. But here we are. That's that's the world we're in. And uh, dumb. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're we're gonna get to a couple different topics tonight. But uh, I'm sure Ian will be joining us shortly. But uh, right now with me is Mr. Ben Anderson. And uh, Ben, we we missed you last week. We uh, uh, heard you uh, had a bit of a, a an injury, and uh, uh, we didn't reveal that or anything on the last show. Uh, but uh, we we hope you're much better today. I'm fine. I have back spasms. And they suck. Uh, they they do. And I, yeah. I took a, a Flexerol and I Ooh. forgot how tired those make me. And I fell asleep. So I missed the podcast. Sorry. Well, you know, yeah. When you mix that with whiskey, that doesn't help either. So I didn't um... mix it with any whiskey <laughs> this time. So no chasers. Um <laughs> Yes, as somebody who also deals with the uh, uh, back spasms and and uh, back issues and stuff, I I, I can totally relate. Oh, man, I haven't um, had them like that in years. I don't know what I did. It is crazy. Um, it is. It is, and I'm sure many of our listeners can relate. But uh, anyway, so just just about three or four things to hammer away at tonight, and um, uh, we did not get a chance to get into the offensive line when we did our offensive breakdown a couple weeks ago. And and quite frankly, you could almost do a whole show just on that because I don't think, and maybe I'm exaggerating here, Ben, but I don't think people understand that there could be some significant to alterations to the offensive line, uh, not just in terms of depth, but also perhaps uh, who's where along that line. And um, I mean, as as everybody knows, you you start with Marquise Pouncey in the middle, and you have DeCastro and Filer to his right, and then of course you have uh, Ramon Foster and Alejandro Villanueva to his left. Um, you know, I guess first of all, Ben, just your your overall view on on the offensive line from 2019, and and you know what your what you're thinking is coming uh, for 2020. My overall view of the offensive line play in 2019 is discombobulated. Um, mm-hmm. The play of Ramon Foster, in particular, was underwhelming. Um, Marquise Pouncey had no business going to the Pro Bowl frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he, he just didn't. And, uh, you know, I think that to a a great extent, um, Al Villanueva was impacted by that and he looked worse than he actually was. If you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, I I do. Yeah. If the guy, if the guy to your immediately to your side is, is playing poorly, it opens you up to a lot more means of attack and, and Ramon was not playing well. So, um, you know, I thought that the Castro was solid, if not 
outstanding. I, I, you know, he made the pro bowl too. Um, a lot of people are saying Matt Filer. I thought he was very good in the run. I did not, I'm not that fond of him as a pass rusher. Um, Ian has the other opinion. I, you know, I think he gave up two sacks on the season. Mm -hmm. Um, with those quarterbacks, that's, (laughs) it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, Mason doesn't seem to know how to move in the pocket and, um, toward the end of the season there they were just sent in the house after duck so you know uh, sacks were given up (laughs) um from a depth standpoint um you know you've got chooks still in play there um Mm -hmm. zach banner um and finney so you know you're doing okay um i don't think that they're solid at it depth right now because Finney's going to be a free agent Mm -hmm. and Foster, you know, is presumably a cap cut. Everybody seems to think so. I mean, the beats, everybody is on that. Yeah. There's, there's, that's not a lock obviously, but you know, presumably that's the case. They need the cap space and he didn't play real well last year and he's getting up in years. So Mm -hmm. that's probably going to happen. I think, um, I think, you know, you could theoretically just move Matt Filer over to left guard and then have Banner and Chukes fight it out for the right tackle spot. But then your depth is now really, really thin. And right. you've got to replenish that. And I would prefer, I, I've, I've talked about this before, before on the podcast, I prefer that they took a center if there was one that was available and, mm-hmm. and worthy of the pick in the second round. And so far I don't see one to be honest, but right. if there were one there, take that guy and stick him at guard for a few years and get him to learn the ropes a little bit, the way they did with Dermarney Dawson, but an interior lineman would be nice this mm-hmm. year. Um, they don't really have the money to sign anybody in free agency. So I'm not looking at that. Um, everybody who thinks they're going to be able to sign free agents or, um, <laughs> What's what's the one I heard yesterday? Go out and get Henry, the tight end, and <laughs> cut Vance, and right, then right. Uh, franchise Bud. You people are smoking something. They don't have the money. If they franchise Bud, they can't do anything else. Nothing. They'll they'll be locked. They Just can absolutely they can cut. Locked. Yeah, they can cut Vance yeah. and cut Chick and cut Foster and franchise Bud, and they are done. They have no more money left. Yeah. Absent a new CBA by March, so everybody should be rooting for that new CBA. Everybody should be hoping and praying that that happens. So if, where are you on the thought of, of BJ Finney? Do you, do you think it's pretty, pretty foregone conclusion that he's gone? No, I think they try to keep him. And uh, you know, that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I've talked about before when it's like, okay, you can cut Finney or rather you can cut Foster, but if you, do so, you're going to turn right around and spend that money on Finney. Exactly. That money. So you really gain nothing. Right. Um, I still don't think Bud Bud Dupree's coming back. Uh, I I think that, that I you know, he's going to get offered. I know they want to keep him, and I know yeah. that if they can make it work, they're going to. Um, if a new CBA is is ratified before free agency starts, they'll keep him. They'll find a way to do it, and mm-hmm. you know, it may just be for a year on a franchise tag, but they'll keep him around. And they'll do some other things. They'll make some space via restructures, but they can't do that right now. So 
if things stay as they are and we go into the season absent a new CBA because of the restrictions of the 30% rule, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to have to make some very difficult choices. And I think Bud is going to be one of those choices. And, you know, maybe they'll go out to free agency and sign somebody for, for depth. Yeah. Maybe even sign a guy and say, hey, you get to compete and be the starter. You get to compete with Chicolo, who sucks. And yeah, should be cut anyway. And should be. I mean, really, for $5 million, Chicolo's not worth $5 million, oh, man. He's, they he's, they he's should have cut stealing, him yesterday. Stealing money. Um, Not to mention all the problems he had last year with the suspension. And, yeah. well, okay, I guess it wasn't technically a suspension. The yeah. exempt list. Right, right. Uh, I mean, you know, that was, was embarrassing. It was. All of that. You know, I, I'd like to see him gone. Um, well, I, I would too. Um, as far as the offensive line, though, I don't want to. I don't want to stray too far from that. Just right, yet. right. Um, okay, so if if Finney comes back, he's going to come back as a starter, more than likely at left guard, unless they feel better about Filer kicking down there, and then Finney just remains your your backup center, backup guard. Or or they could say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have. Filer and Finney fight it out here. Right. And co- good competition always makes for better performance, in my opinion. No question. Good competition for a starter's position always makes for better performance. So yep. maybe yep. they go that route and they have two two positions in flux and they say, hey, you guys, we feel confident about the four of you. You two are going to fight it out for this spot and you two are going to fight it out for this spot. And we're going to see what happens. You know, the, the whole two dogs, one bone thing that, yeah. that yeah. Tomlin always yeah. talks about. You know, that that could benefit that could be beneficial to the offensive line. So I'm not really gonna bitch if it happens. No, I I'm will. not gonna be no. real happy if we go into the season with no plan for a replacement for Marquise Pouncey because mm-hmm. he is apparently in decline and they need to try to address that. They don't have a whole lot of draft or free agency capital in order to do that with this year. And so it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's I'm a little uneasy. Well, and, and and to beat a dead horse, we which we've done many times on this show, uh, none of us are overly thrilled with the prospect of B.J. Finney at center. We no. much prefer him at left yes. guard. Um, so, so in our opinion, that ship has sailed. You still need to bring somebody in to to groom for that center position and you know with the limited draft picks that we have i mean they they would literally have to just kind of hit on a a lucky situation if they picked a center guard type in a fourth fifth sixth round situation um what what about right tackle because i i mean we know what a core four did in in the the preseason and it wasn't very good um and I, I think I speak for everybody. Zach Banner is just a um, an absolute ray of sunshine on social media and and everything he's done. He's just an absolute character, and he's he's working his tail off. I mean, this is a guy that was what roughly four hundred pounds at one point, right? Um, you know, and th- the problem for me is I think it's one thing when you bring him in as the eligible tackle, and he's just a road grader. He's just he's just going to move people out of the way. It's a far different situation when you are now the right tackle and, and you have to not only uh, uh, open up running lanes, but now you've got to pass protect and you got to do it well. That's where my concern is with him. Um, so if, if Filer does kick down, 
to that left guard spot, my my concern for the right tackle spot goes way up. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Chooks looked okay in his lone start this year at right tackle, I thought. Um, was, that, was that this year or last year? It was this year. Last okay. year, I want to say. He started the Tampa game, didn't he? Last uh, year? There, there was one game he started. Uh, just a second here. Yeah. I don't, yeah. It'd be that as it may. I mean, the kid's athletic. I don't have any problem with his athleticism. Um, he started I, the Rams game this year. Okay. Because they wanted more size inside. That's right. That's right. To deal right. with Aaron Donald, right? That's right. And he did pretty okay. He really did. I, I thought he mm-hmm. played a nice mm-hmm. game. He acquitted himself well. But that was the only game he got a hat. Right. Got a hat and got a start. That's yeah. it. You're done. Unusual. <laughs> Very unusual. Yeah, right? To say the least. Uh, yeah. You know, last year he started three games. Yeah. He started I, I, started the first game to open the season. He started the game against Cleveland week seven. He right. started the uh, game against Denver at Denver. That's one of the things. Uh, okay. Week 10, 11, one of those. Late in the season. I knew it was so, an orange team. Right. So, you know, and, and he played he played that role that yeah. that Banner beat him out for this year as the third tackle and and jumbo set tight end. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's not like the guy can't play. He just he, he kind of underwhelmed this last yeah. year in the preseason. He played better in twenty eighteen. I thought so too. Yeah, so maybe he took a, a, a step back. I, I don't know, but uh, I, I still have faith in the guy. He's done some good things. Yeah, um, I'm not super concerned about it. Let's just put it that way. Okay, I, I it it would be a red flag for me, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go there yet. Simply because I haven't seen these guys in in training camp yet. Because bodies will be made different. Uh, guys will be taught differently and, and much more than they were last year. So I, I'm, I'm going to be, be optimistic, but uh, I have concerns there. Um, and I want to welcome in uh, Ian to the show, joining us from his luxury suite uh, somewhere in the uh, suburban Pittsburgh area. Ian, how are you tonight? Pretty good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh well, it's it's what we're here for, Ian. Uh, we're we're just kind of wrapping up our discussion of the offensive line and uh, uh, just talking about some of the the what ifs and and certainly the the idea that um, uh, Ramon Foster more than likely a cap uh, casualty coming up, and then you know that money just gets transferred over to probably keeping BJ Finney around and. Um, uh, so on and so forth, but we were we were just kind of finishing up with with right tackle. What are what are your thoughts on uh, if it comes down to uh, Chooks Corfor and uh, Zach Banner? Oh, so are we moving Filer to if, guard? Then? If if Filer moves down because they can't okay. keep Filer, let's assume that. Or excuse me, Finney. Too many F's. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and that's really the question mark. Is the the first question mark is what do you do at left guard? Uh, is it right. is it Filer? Is it Finney? Do you draft someone? Um, do you pick someone up in free agency? They've had a pretty good track record of developing guys in house that have you know gone on to big contracts elsewhere. So, I think that they they have two in house candidates that are perfectly capable of playing left guard, both Filer and Finney. So, I think one of those two will. Uh, if it's Finney, then Filer stays at right tackle. Um, if Filer moves into left guard, 
then I'd lean towards giving a core for a shot because you invested a mm-hmm. third round pick in him. But I think that's an open camp competition between him and Banner. Um, I mean, Banner showed a little bit last year as being the sixth uh, lineman. And, you know, a core four had the whole season in practice to beat him out for that spot. And the only game I remember him getting a helmet in was that Rams game when they actually started right. him at tackle because they moved Finney in, or sorry, they moved Filer inside. Yeah. I did the yep. F thing like you did. Um, that that <laughs> was the only game he got a hat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We, we, so we actually do, yeah, just just that, to yeah. wrap up, I mean they they had you know a core four had the opportunity to win that sixth tackle position and Banner obviously beat him out the whole season because he kept getting a hat and kept playing well. Yeah, and and you know again there there's it's so fluid because uh, uh, you know Ben mentioned the fact that you know there still is the possibility for a CBA to to come to fruition here in March and. Um, uh, that could certainly change things dramatically, and and of course, then you then you've if that doesn't happen, of course, then you got draft stuff and and minor 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 free agents that they could even possibly think about. So a, a lot of stuff is still very much in flux for for that offensive line. But um, uh, what I uh, want to move to here, and, and and I think this would be a fun part to to go to right here, guys, is of course today was the nineteenth. Uh, is that right? Nineteenth anniversary of uh three rivers stadium being uh Im- imploded. imploded i believe that's the yeah. it, it, it yeah. correct term imploded um it, you know it's funny to, to to read like social media and the people remembering where they were and what they were doing and uh in terms of like going down and some, viewing it from somewhere and um you know both both of you guys i know spent some time uh in inside of uh three rivers and uh ben what uh what were some of your memories of, uh, of being there? You know, the, the first thing, a couple, I guess, sure. is one, Three Rivers was a really shitty stadium. <laughs> and the, the bathrooms in particular were disgusting. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, I have people, a story about that. People would literally use any open space yeah. against the wall to take a leak. And, you know, basically the, the walls all kind of ran back to drains in the corner. Yep. So the smell <laughs> of urine in the men's room was overwhelming. It was just absolutely disgusting. And then, you know, that when you're out there in the stands, it was so fucking loud. I loved that place. Yes. God, it was so great. And, you know, that that really... <laughs> It's kind of where it's at for me. I mean, that was the one thing that Three Rivers had over mine. Is yeah. it was so damn loud? The sound yeah. reverberated in there. It was awesome. It it did. It was one of those classic cookie cutter stadiums of the of the late sixties, early seventies. You know, Riverfront in Cincinnati was built like it, and and so on and so forth. But. Uh, <laughs> Your memories of the bathroom, I uh, oh my I, god, I, dude, I, it's so I, gross. I, I'm having I mean, you some... can smell it before you walked in. You're oh, just like, oh, god, ah. was, I'm having PTSD right now. Uh, <laughs> Ian, what uh, what do you remember from uh, the old Three Rivers? Oh boy, I mean, I was there a lot as a right, kid, right. Um, growing up. We had season tickets. Our tickets were up in six oh six, which was about three sections over from the jumbotron and top level. Um, and 
and you know the the way the way that stadium was being the like you like you said architecturally the the circle that it was um you know our seats were kind of i mean i'll I'll say in the corner but the whole thing was round but in the in the corner of the end zone and since we were on the upper level um you know the the sort of level below us the way the, the the stadium was shaped cut off our view of that corner of the end zone so there was only one corner of one end zone that That's we couldn't right. see we, you could see all the rest of the field from our seats um and that corner just happened to be the corner where in january of 1995 oh. john harbaugh or jim harbaugh chucked a pass in an afc championship game against the colts and that was it was the same end zone the year before that the Chargers had batted yep. down a fourth down pass in. Um, so we had that heartbreak right in front of us. But when Harbaugh chucked that pass, no one in our area, our whole section and like the sections next to us had any idea what happened because oh. we couldn't see it. It, oh. it went into that dead spot and we're all kind of just like, and, and you know, that was back in the day of there wasn't a video board or for replays right. or anything. Right. It was the, you know, monochrome you know you had the 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 gold lights or the off black lights and that was kind of how they made patterns and showed text (laughs) up on the jumbo (laughs) truck right Um, so no one i mean there was no video of it we had no idea what happened and then we saw the other half of the stadium all just start celebrating we're all just kind of like i guess we won (laughs) and then then it was just pandemonium and we had people that were you know sitting three rows behind us or like standing next to us hugging us and then we're two rows in front of us and people were just like diving everywhere hugging everyone and say it was because after the heartbreak the year before i mean oh yes uh, it was a huge release of emotion no big deal i mean everybody i tell that story to now about that game Game, you know, San Diego Chargers off of Puna, they're like, well, what's the big deal? That's <laughs> nothing. Well, you obviously don't have a clue as how good that team was. And they anyone they were who by was, 14 points. Anyone uh, who was alive for that game, when you mention it on Twitter, is hands down. They were like, even if they've, you know, lived through the, the terrible years of the, the pre Bradshaw, pre green 60s, or, you know, yeah. suffered through the 80s, everyone that was alive for that game says that was absolutely the worst loss in Steelers history. And I mean, I was there. It absolutely was. I mean, that, that's one of the few times I've cried after a game. Now, granted, I was, you know, eight years old at the time, but still, I mean, I was <laughs> sobbing tears walking out of that stadium because I felt so certain that we were going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, we just, just didn't. Um, but, you know, speaking of the bathrooms and how disgusting they were, you know, I, I know my, I remember my dad telling me as a kid, like, don't wash your hands in the sinks after halftime because, like, you know, <laughs> you know like, first yeah. half it's okay, yeah. but second I half brought that up. Oh my god! And and I mean, and, and it wasn't just people peeing in the sinks because that happened. But I mean, there were times when there was shit in the sinks too. Yeah. Um, Garbage cans, sinks, literally anywhere. Disgusting! Oh and my god! Oh. The, the worst, the ah. worst part of this. I'm I'm gonna end this story with a bang. The worst part of this was <laughs> the very last game at Three Rivers um, in uh, you know late 2000 against the Redskins. Yeah. I think we were like seven and nine or something that year. We didn't make the playoff. Or we were. We were mediocre. We didn't make the playoffs, right. but um, you know, next to last game, hardly any. You know, it was a, a sparse crowd, but the last game, everyone showed up because it was the last game there, yep. and people were just taking everything they could. I mean, people were pulling, you know, like 
jackknives out of their pockets and like prying their seat numbers off but the most disgusting thing i've ever seen in my life was i saw somebody walking out of the bathroom with one of the toilet seats from the stall seat like under their coat and trying to zip up their coat around it and i was just like number one why would you why would you take the seat off of a toilet number two why would you stick it close to your body (laughs) and try and hide it underneath your coat like i was just like okay you know some people and I have no idea what that guy did with that thing. I never saw him again in my life. But that was arguably, having been in those bathrooms, the most oh, disgusting yeah. thing I've ever seen. Oh, well, I, I was at that game too, Ian. Um, believe it or not, and, and you know, it was it was cool seeing um, you know so many of the old players that that were down in the field and were were you know kind of kind of laughing it up with with the current players after they had uh, kind of steamrolled the Redskins. I remember uh, Hank Poteet had a punt return TD in that game and yep. um you know but yeah I think it was one of those situations where we had to win and somebody had to lose and then we had to go to San Diego I think the next week and and needed some other things to happen and obviously things didn't happen and we we didn't make the playoffs but um the oh god the bathrooms I, I just I, I'm surprised somebody hasn't written a book <laughs> um, you know, because you, you, you seriously, you could make a decent book out of uh, Three Rivers bathroom experiences. Um, oh, dude. It, it, it just, Ian just, Ian just gave me some really nasty flashbacks. Yeah. That, oh, my God, dude. That was awful. Yeah. That was I mean, it, it was... <sighs> It was like going into some kind of third world alien uh, nation or something. <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, and like Ben, like you said, you could smell it 30 yards before you yeah. got there. You know, you, I mean, it was, you could smell, <laughs> if you were going in there at halftime, especially you'd be in line and you'd be going, Oh my God, I can already smell it. Oh, <laughs> I got to stand here for this. And then I have to go in knowing what it's going to smell like. Oh. Yeah. So really the moral of the story is for, for those of you that have only experienced Heinz Field, if you're complaining, you have nothing to complain about. <laughs> nothing. Heinz Field redid their bathrooms this year too. They're even – Heinz Field's – bathrooms are even nicer than they yes. were when the stadium opened because they redid them this year that's right like the the non-stick flooring now and like individual <laughs> like urinals they don't even have the troughs anymore there it's oh i know you sense of privacy once again yeah yeah uh, so one other one other three river yeah. story that's very fond and dear to my heart so i went to a lot of, of baseball games there as a kid yeah. too um some guy my dad worked at the mill with um one season tickets one year i think it was like 91 that he won on them um it like you know some some fair whatever it was the big butler fair the indiana fair whatever mm-hmm. they were raffling off um you know a set of pirate season tickets and back then they were good so they were worse that was a good year yeah 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 and uh you know since they worked shifts at the mill there were games he couldn't go to and he would give tickets to my dad so like my dad would come home from work at you know three o'clock four o'clock after working a daylight shift and be like hey we're going to the pirate game tonight like, all right let's go you know um so there was there was one game i think it was like it was in august of 91 one i just looked it up uh they're playing the cardinals who are really good that year too and and their closer lee smith hadn't given up a home run all year and lee smith hall of fame closer yep. you know, yep. great, team too, great team and um 
Game went to extra innings. They brought in Lee Smith. Barry Bonds fouls off like 10 or 11 pitches, you know, finally working the count. And it's, you know, well past my bedtime. I'm barely keeping my <laughs> eyes awake. And then Bonds just cranks a home run out to right field and wins the game for the Pirates. And, um, you know, that, that game still gets replayed every now and then on whatever it is. It was Root Sports. Now it's AT&T Sportsnet. But, um, yeah. you know, that's that's considering that pirates team never made a world series that's one of my favorite memories of of uh you know the, the three rivers as well just sitting there you know barely awake trying to trying to focus on bonds fouling off all these pitches staying alive against arguably the best closer in the game at the time and then he blasts a home run off a guy who haven't hadn't given one up all year that was that was yeah really cool those, those yeah we'd be remiss if you didn't talk a little bit about the baseball history there because uh uh, again, that was like several other stadiums that were the multi-purpose football, baseball stadiums, and and uh, yeah, a lot of good baseball memories uh, uh, there as well. So, um, one one last thing that I want to discuss, and I, I quite frankly, I probably shouldn't have worded it that way because I really don't want to discuss it, but it just irritates the crap out of me. Um, you know, some of the talking heads are already. Uh, spewing some stuff regarding, well, uh, there's people inside the Steelers' front office that would like to see Ben Roethlisberger retire. Um, now, I I cannot confirm that. I have not have been told anybody has ever said that. Um, you know, I hear it's minority owners starting these rumors. I hear all kinds of this crap. But as far as I'm concerned, I've not heard that. And this idea that it's suddenly going to free up tons of money is is also um, a bit of a fallacy here, too. Um, ben, are you hearing anything, and are you just as irritated as I am? Uh, I've asked, and yeah. the response I got was laughter. Right. Um, so, no, nobody's hoping that Ben retires. Um, yeah, it – okay. <laughs> Yeah, it does actually create about eight and a half million dollars in space if Ben yeah. decides to hang it up right now. It leaves behind a twenty-five million dollar dead money hit for a player you don't have anymore. Um, on top of that, that eight million dollars they're going to gain—they can't sign a quarterback to replace him this year. I don't right. know what people are thinking, and I don't know why they would think the Steelers would hope he was doing it. Um, you know, even if Ben is. Uh, the 15th best quarterback in the league. And I, I think he'll be better than yeah. that. Yeah. Um, He's still, he's still going to be worth it given everything else they've got on that team. So I, I just, I don't see the logic. I don't understand why anybody would get that idea. I just think it's guys looking for clicks, frankly. Absolutely. And it's, it's the same shit every year, you know, or <laughs> people on Twitter who put out these takes and all they're doing is looking for attention and I, all I do is bookmark the tweet, and I'm like, yeah, dude, you're going to get roasted for this later. About midseason, we're going to go on, yeah, you're an idiot. You really put this out, <laughs> and you decided to die on this hill, and now you're going to get roasted for it, and you deserve it. Uh, it's just – it's the same shit every year where people come out with dumb things because it's the slow part of the season, yeah. and they need something to, to – you know, because they, they can't – stand up on a chair in a virtual world and go, Hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. So they do this instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, they do. And, and it, they also know that it attracts attention from suckers like us who feel the need to have to talk about it. And we do because it irritates the crap out of us. I, I, e, 
yeah, Ian, or, or, or what, what is your take on this? I saw some of your tweets yesterday, so but, uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And this is this is really the same conversation that we had dealing with Vance McDonald, right? That yeah. if they cut Vance McDonald, they could save you know five point six million dollars against the salary cap. But what you can get from a tight end for $5.6 million on the mm-hmm. open market, that's essentially what Jesse James got. He got 5.65 yeah. a year. Um, to catch about 14 from, passes. From from the Lions, right. Yeah. So basically you're getting a, a, a number two tight end for what you're paying the guy who should be your number one. Um, you know, you're not going to get a Hunter Henry for 5.6 million a year. He's going to sign for nine or 10 a year, which is right. what like Travis Kelsey and Jimmy Graham are getting for. Right. So, you know, you're, the the replacement level of Ben, you can yes, they can gain eight and a half million dollars against the salary cap, but what are you gonna get for that? Right? Mm-hmm. If you look at current quarterback contracts that are under eight and a half million dollars, because as we've talked about on this show before, and if people haven't listened to past shows, go back and listen to the one where Ben explained about the thirty percent rule with the salary cap in the final year, because it's well worth listening to that segment. Mm-hmm. Um that you know, there's there's certain escalators that have to count and and certain other things too that all count towards the the cap number in the last year and how you can structure contracts. So really, you know, what you'd be looking at for guys who are not currently on their rookie deal is like a Case Keenum, a uh, Tyrod Taylor, um, a Chase Daniel, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Hoyer. Like none of those guys are going to be worth the money that you save from cutting Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is better than all those guys. So it's, you know, yes, you could save eight and a half million by cutting him, but the replacement cost, you're going to have to spend more than that to get someone that can play at least as good as, if not better than what Ben can play at. Yeah, and and again, that was well explained. And and again, more people need to understand that because they they (laughs) – I don't know if it's just they spend too much time on Madden making all these wonderful trades and free agent acquisitions, um, but it, it's just that's just not how it works. Um, and and you know, furthermore, let's let's allow the guy to get to his appointment on February twenty first, and let's let's see what the doctors say. And and at that point, if he's even given the clearance, he'll start throwing tennis balls. So we're we're really not even to the point where we can start even truly guessing where we're going to be, but uh, he'll, he'll make that determination. That's going to be on Ben. He he knows himself better than we do. So we'll just wait until that point. Now, one other Ben development today, of course, was the very heartfelt and sincere apology yeah. uh, from, <laughs> from Antonio Brown. Um, it was a very touching photo of the two of them uh, put on Brown's Instagram and, Which is uh, hilarious because Ben doesn't use social media at all. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> the fact that AB tried to apologize on social media means absolutely nothing. Uh, I I I don't want to say too much, but let, let's just say I did get a message from uh, from those those behind the scenes of Ben's Twitter account, and um, they were quite uh, amused. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but did you I, tell I, me you didn't want anybody to know that you knew the people behind Ben's Twitter well, account. Well, yeah, I guess I guess I gave it. that up. On I guess a public I that. venue. That's yeah. great. Good job. I know. I know people. People know. Yeah, me. yeah. We know. You're I did not. Guy. However, I didn't use names. That's the important thing. I didn't you know the thing names. that's funny about this, though, people, the listening audience I'm talking to now. Yes. 
there are members of Steel City Blitz oh, yes. that are blocked by Ben. Of course, I'm not one of them. But there are people <laughs> that are blocked by Ben, which I, which I think is hilarious. It's not me either, for the record. I'm not blocked by Ben. Uh, no, no, it's uh, it, well, it is what it is. I'll just leave it there. Uh, but you know what? What absolutely boggles my mind is these folks that. Oh, that was a really, I mean, he apologized. Now, would you consider taking him back now that he's apologized? I mean, Fuck what, have, no. what have you people been watching over the last year? I mean, th- this guy has just, he's walked out on his team. He's literally uh, uh, pissed on every former teammate he's had. And now all of a sudden, because he sends an Instagram apology, oh, everything's fine again. Everything's good. Let's oh, bring him I, back. The, the thing that people aren't taking into account is this is just another dramatic mood swing. Yeah. Give him a few yeah. days. He's going to go right back to being the mean, yep. spiteful son of a bitch that he's been for a year and a half. I, I agree. I, I don't disagree. And I, I tweeted a week or so ago whenever he had that interview on the fan that, you know, what it, what Antonio Brown's doing now kind of reminds me of like, Bane applying for parole from Arkham Asylum. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you watch The Dark Knight, which I love because part of it was put, filmed in Pittsburgh and I use oh, a lot yeah. of Pittsburgh shots in it, you know, there's that scene where all the bridges blow up at once. And I mean, that's kind of how AB left town, right? He blew up all his bridges yeah. that he had and kind of gave everyone the finger and left. And, you know, think about it now. He's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry I blew up all your bridges and drove a bomb around your city, but I uh, can't wait to get back out there and be with the people of Gotham again. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of what it reminds me of. It does. And and still, he's he's hanging on to this thing, this beef with Juju that never existed to begin with. Like Juju's got some some beef with him, some axe to grind with him, and he's just responding to it. Are you kidding me? That whole thing is just bananas. Yeah. This guy is still crazy. He's still got issues. On top of that, he's still got both civil and criminal issues he's got to deal with. Mm And and His attorneys are running from him. him. Yeah. Attorneys don't want to work with him anymore. Right. And on top of that, if he ever gets clear of these things, he's staring down a multi-game suspension. What the hell is wrong with you people? And people that are <laughs> that are tweeting, well, bring him back for a minimum contract. Who the fuck? What? <laughs> you think that Antonio Brown is going to play for a minimum contract? What are you oh, smoking? Sure. That'll what pay the, the bills. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? That'll that'll pay the bills. Uh, God. Yeah, he's not he's not playing at all for minimum uh, compensation. And uh, oh god, I I can't even get into it anymore. It's just it, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to leave it at that because I think that was Ben's party shot for tonight. Pretty much. <laughs> Ian, did you have any uh, parting shots you'd like to get out? <laughs> Hey, the we had a Super Bowl that didn't have the Ravens or the Patriots in it. That was extremely satisfying. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting off season, right? You yeah, know, there, there's is. been some actually. You know, we talked about the crap going around. There's actually been some good content out there on Twitter recently too, with you know people making uh, the, the guys from Over the Cap do a really good job, and they've made mm-hmm. some really interesting charts on you know basically games that are the games of potential free agents that teams are losing versus cap space, things like that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, the Steelers don't have a lot of cap space, but there's not a lot of, you know, I'll say man games lost potentially to, to free agency this year. Obviously Bud Dupree is the biggest name potentially on the market. Um, But beyond that, they don't really have a lot of starters that are potential free agents. So um, 
they don't have a lot of money to play with, but at the same time, they don't really need to make a, a big splash this year either, that there's not a gaping hole in this team that really needs to be fixed that couldn't potentially be fixed in the draft by, you know, a second and third round pick. Yeah. And, and we will, uh, that, that's a, that's a good kind of segue for me and we'll, um, we'll, we'll start looking into the, the free agent stuff and our, our upcoming podcasts and uh, as well as the draft, I, I'm, it's that time of year. I'm getting the itch. I've started watching film on tight ends and, um, you know, we'll eventually transition to other positions as well. But uh, for uh, for now, we'll uh, wrap things up here on the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. And uh, again, you can find it on any number of platforms from Google Podcasts and Google Play to iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, and Podbean, and SoundCloud, and YouTube, and everything else in between. And, uh, you know, if you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes and give us a rating and some some reviews. And if you don't like the show, well, sorry, go listen to something else. Anyway, for uh, Ben, Eddie, and uh, this is Steel Dad, I am signing off. And, hey, go Steelers. <laughs>